Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the morning service of Sunday the 12th of December 2010, entitled The Christ of Christmas, Past, Present and Future, Part 1. And the Bible reading is taken from John chapter 1, verses 1 to 14. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. We're taking our reading from the Gospel of John chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. I invite you to stand with me to honor the reading of God's precious and holy word beginning in John chapter 1 and verse 1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory the glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Our God and our Father, we thank you so much, Lord. Lord, for the privilege of being able to gather here today with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you, Lord, for the freedom that we have to worship. Thank you, Lord, for the place that you've given us, for those that you've brought together to make up this body. Lord, we thank you so much that one day you loved us enough to reach down by your loving and precious grace to save our wretched souls. Thank you for your word that we have before us that you've preserved for us and for your spirit that lives within that can take these words and make them alive into our hearts. And for that, we pray this day. Lord, as we gather here, you know the hearts of each individual that is here. You know the needs. Lord, you know if there are those in our midst that need to put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ and his finished work this day, that they might also be one of those that could be called your children. Father, you know the Christians that are here, the struggles that they're having. Lord, you know what lies ahead and what they've been through in the past. Lord, we just pray that not by the words of man, by the power of your spirit, you would speak to their heart this day, that you would be glorified and honored in all that takes place here. And we give you all the praise and thanks for it. In Christ's name we pray, amen and amen. It's quite amazing, really, how something that has been around for so long can still be so controversial, can still have so many different views. The word Christmas brings a lot of different things to mind and heart of a lot of people. Now, nobody really knows the exact date that 
the Lord Jesus Christ was born. How did it come about that we celebrated on December 25th? Well, for over 1,700 years, that's when the church first started doing it. Of course, it really happened in Rome when I guess many, many, many years before that, most peoples of the world had had some kind of festivals that took place in the wintertime. Why? Well, that's when people need to have their spirits lifted many times. It's a very practical thing from that standpoint. It's precisely why we chose February of all times to have our conference here at the church because there's many things going on for the young people during the, the summer and the spring when it's nice and warm and plenty of things for them to do, but a lot of times very little in the winter months because nobody really wants to brave the cold to do anything. And we specifically chose February that we might be able somehow in, in the midst of those long, cold winters to be able to encourage and challenge and be a blessing to them. Of course, many of the festivals of men had things to do with anything but God. And of course, when Rome was pagan, and I, you know, I really haven't bothered and have no desire to, to try to remember the names of all of their false gods, but if I'm not mistaken, it was something like a, a god of the sun and a god that was supposed to have been the, of, of creation that in their pagan religions that they, that they had their festival in, in December but as Rome became more Christians, the Christians said, hey, we shouldn't have anything to do with that. We should be celebrating something different. Big debates come in because, of course, March the 25th was originally said as the date for Easter. And some writers say that March the 25th came into being because December the 25th was already be celebrating. And some say December 25th came into because of March the 25th already. Basically, there was the nine months in there that, uh, uh, that was supposed to have been approximately when the conception took place. Now, as we read the Bible story, it's not likely that shepherds would have been in the field with their sheep in the dead cold of winter. Um, and so the thing is, is that it's not a date that is important. It is the event that is important. Now, I assure you, I love Christmas. I don't like all that the world has done to it. Matter of fact, it's almost come from full circle in some ways that now we have the world that once again wants to take Christ out of it. And they just want to have a winter festival when they can party and have a big time and do their own thing. So you have those Christians fighting to keep Christ in it and the secular world is wanting to take him out. And even amongst Christians themselves, I would encourage you, Never think that any of us have arrived to the point that we've got all the answers and we've got it all figured out. I've known Christians through my life that celebrate Christmas in a big way and some that will have nothing to do with it. I've known Christians that celebrate Christmas in lots of different ways. And I would just encourage you, be gracious. Just because somebody else does it different from you, be careful. Don't begin to get prideful that you've got it all figured out and, and they haven't. But I would also warn you of this. Don't be subtly wooed in by the world. They want to have a winter festival that will do everything for themselves and nothing for anybody else. If you choose to celebrate Christmas, then do try to keep Christ at the center. Don't worry about the date. 
that happens to be the date that we do it. Now, I can assure you that as we go through the Christmas events here at Bethel, we won't have any Santa Claus coming down the aisles. We won't be out looking for the reindeer, but we'll be focusing upon the Christ of Christmas. We'll be focusing on, as we are looking at today, that which, regardless of how much or how little you may choose to celebrate Christmas, we'll be looking at what hopefully all of us as Christians are celebrating in whatever way that we do it. The Gospel of John chapter 1, it still amazes me. Sometimes I'm not real sure if it just shows how dumb I am or what. It amazes me, though. I'd rather think that it's not just my dumbness, but more the depth of God's Word. How that you can take a passage that you've read over and over and over so many times, and you can look at the things that, yes, you know about, but somehow they, they still come out fresh. They still get you excited, even though there's something that you've read and studied and known for many years. And certainly, the Gospel of John chapter 1 is one of those places. Now, I'm borrowing my title this morning. I guess that most of us will at some time or another seen or heard of Charles Dickens' book. We've all heard of the ghost of Christmas past and Christmas present and Christmas future. But I'm borrowing on that for a very important thing, which I hope you'll be able to see both this morning and this evening as we look at this passage. And I want to speak to you on the Christ of Christmas, past, present, and future. Regardless of how you have or will celebrate Christmas, regardless of how Christians have done it in the past or are doing it now or will do it in the future, God's message does not change. Jesus Christ does not change. And so I hope today that even though these are going to be familiar verses and familiar things I'm sure that I'm saying to you, I hope that it can just encourage you and remind you as we remember the Christ of Christmas. As we look at the the Christ in Christmas past, present, and future. I want to draw your attention, first of all, as we look at these first two verses here, of the Christ of co-eternity. Now, preacher, what in the world? I've heard of the Christ of eternity, but the Christ of co-eternity? And I promise you, as we go through this, you'll see that I didn't choose it just because it started with a C so that all my, my points would be alliterated really nicely. It's because sometimes, yes, he was the Christ of eternity, but he wasn't just the Christ of eternity. Co-eternity, literally, if you look it up in the dictionary, means to exist with another or others for all of eternity. I want us, as we look at the Christ of Christmas, to recognize and remember that Jesus Christ, as God, with the Father and the Spirit, have existed for all of eternity. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In the beginning 
Now, you probably don't even need to turn to the first three words in your Bible in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. In the beginning was the Word. Now, both of these words basically mean the same thing. The word in the Greek literally means the commencement of something. It could be talking about order, time, place, or rank. It's when something began, the beginning. The word in the Hebrew means the first, in place, time, order, rank. They mean the same thing, in the beginning. In the beginning was the word. How can that correlate with in the beginning God created? First of all, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning, beginning of everything you see, in the beginning of all creation, in the beginning, God created. In John 1, in the beginning. If I can use for an illustration, I don't really have anything, I'll use this chair. Let's say that in both of these passages, this chair right here, that's the beginning. It's the same thing. It is this place that everything is starting. In the beginning, God created. In the beginning was the Word. I want you to notice something. In the beginning, words are important. You know, nothing happens by coincidence with God. Nothing happens by accident. When we say that we believe that His Word is inspired verbally, Every word matters. God gave it to us. In the beginning was. In the beginning was the word. That word was literally denotes an absolute existence. At that beginning point right there, beginning whether we're talking about Genesis or beginning whether we're talking about John, in the beginning was. There was an absolute existence, if you would. In Genesis 1.1, it starts at the beginning and is moving towards us, where we are right here today, some 6,000 years later from that beginning point. It started there, and this is where we are today. In the beginning, in John chapter 1, verse 1, that same beginning point, but looking back for all of eternity. He's still talking about the same beginning point for us, the beginning of us and all that we are. In the beginning, God created everything that exists. But in the beginning, God was. In the beginning was the Word, he says here. Look over in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 1. Notice what the Word of God says in verses 15 to 17. Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 to 17. Speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. Listen, for by Him, by Jesus Christ, for by Him were all things created, that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, 
all things were created by him and for him, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. The word of God couldn't be much clearer. At the beginning point, in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1, God created. But at the beginning point, in John 1, 1, in the beginning was absolute existence. God was already there. In the beginning was the Word, the Logos. We find that everything that was before Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1, if that's the beginning point, what was, what existed at that point was the Word. It was. It absolutely already existed at that point. The Logos is what existed. But from that, everything else was created. All that was in the beginning was the Word. Eternally existent. Eternally God. You look back and if you read through Genesis 1-1 after in the beginning God created you'll find recorded there in your Bible eight times the simple words, God said. God said. God spoke and it was. You see, how do we comprehend and understand? We don't go around using the word logos every day of our lives. How do we describe it? What was it? That in the beginning, when everything else was created, what was it? What was this Logos that was that absolutely already existed for eternity past? What was already there? Well, I've tried to describe it to you in the past. You see, it's a collection of all the things in the mind as well as all the words that express it. Now, it's written in our Bibles with a capital W, by the way. In the beginning was the Word. In the beginning was the Logos. It's all of the inward thoughts and all of the words that express that thought. As a matter of fact, it's not just the thoughts, but it's the whole thought process and the way that we express all that comes from that. It's not just the word that is spoken, the material, but it's the whole concept, the whole idea, everything that brought it about in the first place. We often in science talk about cause and effect or cause and reason. You see, logos is the cause or the reason as well as the expression of something in the beginning, at the beginning point of creation of everything that we see, the invisible was already there. The Logos was already there. He was already in absolute existence. Notice in the book of Hebrews chapter 4 and in verse 12. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 said, For the word of God is quick and powerful 
and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. You see, I just want to remind you, so many times, don't take lightly the word of God that we have. You see, these words are the expression of God himself. But in the beginning, the Logos, all that made that up, it was already there. In Genesis, the act of creation is the direct result of God speaking. God's words that came forth, that brought things into being. That's why that I know we struggle many times with those around us that have trouble think that somehow we're just naive to think that a God could create everything that exists and do it in six days. Sure, they look at it in their science and it looks and probably looks like millions and billions of years for all these things to happen. Well, if it could happen in the first place, and if it could happen naturally, it would take that long. But God can speak and a million years of work can be accomplished in a split second. We find that God spoke. And when God said, it was brought into existence. In John, keeping in mind this whole thought, if we could somehow grasp that there is absolutely nothing within you, no thought, no concept, nothing can happen without this, this logos. It's everything that begins within that is then expressed without. Jesus Christ is so related to God the Father, just like the word to the idea. They're naturally there. They're joined together. One comes because of the other. You don't have one without the other. The word being more than just a, a name or more than just a, an actual expression of the idea. But you cannot separate the two. In the beginning, creation was brought into existence. In the beginning, God, the Word, the Logos already absolutely existed for all of eternity. In the beginning was the Word, and notice the next words, and the Word was with God. The Word was with God. Well, again, you know, when we see that word with, in the original context, it's not just like being with somebody because you're in the same room with them, being with somebody because that uh, you're, you're near to them or something like that. The word literally carries with it the idea of a living union, of a communion. In the beginning was the word, that logos, and that logos, he says, was with God, was in a living union with God Almighty himself. They weren't just merely abiding with each other. 
from eternity, but we're in a living, active communion. Hence, why I say that the Christ of Christmas is the Christ of co-eternity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, the Godhead itself, coexisting together for all of eternity. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was in a living union with God. The Word was with God, and notice the next words, and the Word, the Logos, was God. It's interesting. I'm not sure how many of you had to do it. I, I, I know that depending upon where and how you study the English language, of course, structure is always important in any language that you learn. You know, words matter, but they've got to be in the right order as well. <laughs> you can just throw a whole bunch of jumbled up words out there and them not make a bit of sense. And it's important as you learn structure. I can remember we used to have to, to diagram these sentences to show what's the noun and what's the verb and what's the adjectives and what's the adverbs and what's the direct objects and all these different things, all the different parts of speech and what they do and whatnot. You see, in the original, when he says here, and the word was God, there is a distinction between the word and the God here, but... There is an essence of unity in oneness as well. You see, in the beginning, at that point, was the Word. The Word was with God in a living unity. The Word was God. Though they, Word and the God, are two separates at the same times. They're of one essence, of one nature. Here, to the Logos, to the Word, is being ascribed all the attributes of God Himself. And the Word was God. Even though they're separate, there's no difference. Even though they're separate, they're one. F.B. Meyer, the great preacher, said this. He said, there is something majestic in the way in which the description of the Logos and the three brief but great propositions of verse 1 is unfolded with increasing fullness. In the beginning was the Word. He was already there, always had been. And that Logos was with God. They were in a living union together. But then more than that, that Word was God. Everything that God was, the Word was. Even though they're separate, they're the same. Even though they're, they've got their separate identities, there is a oneness in the Logos. At the beginning, everything that made up the thought of God is expressed in the Lord Jesus Christ. The Word was coexistent, co-eternal, in active communion with God, attributed with all the attributes of God. Verse 2 says, the same was in the beginning with God. 
There's a slight transition here. For the personal being of the word in verse 1 to his manifestation in creation in verse 2, the same was in the beginning with God. The same. The same was himself God. The same was himself God by whom all things were created. If the word, the logos, involves all the thought process, all the knowledge, all the wisdom, all the will, all the force, all that creates, all of that cause and effect, we begin to grasp the relation between creation and the incarnation and the redemption that you and I can have as believers. The prophet Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 46, notice what he says in Isaiah 46 verses 3 and 4. He says, Hearken unto me, O house of Jacob, and all the remnant of the house of Israel, which are born by me from the belly, which are carried from the womb, and even to your old age, I am he. And even to whore hairs will I carry you. I have made, and I will bear. Even I will carry, and will deliver you. I said, I have made and I'll bear it. I'll carry you. You see, it's like, I guess the closest thing that we would know to that would be that parental instinct that you can't describe and you can't learn. It's just part of you. We find that the Bible teaches us that in the beginning we were created in the image of God himself. But then man fell because of sin. But then the Bible teaches us that we will be restored to what God originally created us to be. It comes through so many things, the love, the education, the bearing, the, the preserving, the patience, all these things. That's what God was saying to Isaiah. I've made you. You're my creation. I will bear you. I'm going to be there for you. We find that what I want us just to simply grasp in these verses is that Christmas present, past, future, the Christ of Christmas, he is the Christ of co-eternity. The Christ of Christmas in the beginning, when everything else came into being, he already was. He was already there. And he was everything that God was. And he was God. And he was the creator. And even though there's the distinction I've said to you before, sometimes I don't like to think about how long I've been preaching now. I have to think about, I'm not as young as I used to be. But it's amazing. In all of these years, in all of the sermons, I've never one time been able to even 
begin to come close to describe that one little theological idea, the triunity of a holy God. I can't. Why? Because everything we learn and everything we do, I've said before, we relate. The unknown, we relate to the known. What's it taste like? Well, kind of like chicken. The only way you know how to, to describe something new is to describe it like something that they already know. We don't know anything else like God. Everything we know is tainted with the curse of sin. We have nothing else to compare it to. But the Christ of Christmas is the Christ of co-eternity that has existed for all eternity along with God the Father and God the Son. He's also, notice in verse 3, all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. You don't really, you don't really have to be an English major, to understand those words. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. No, there's really only one choice. Believe it or don't believe it. It's God's word, all things. Now, there's something interesting here in the words all things. Because if you notice down in verse 10, he was in the world and the world was made by him and the world knew him not. Well, there in verse 10, he's referring to creation as a whole. But here, the all things in verse 3 is more specifically speaking of every infinite detail of that. He's not talking about just creation in general. All things were made by him. Every tiny, infinite detail was in God's hand and in God's control. Him, the word, the logos here. All things were made. Yep, scholars have been debating for years. You know exactly, you know, whether he made everything from nothing, whether he took something that already was. Well, I believe with all of it and everything that nothing existed without him. All things, every infinite detail came into being because of him. All things were made by him, through him. Denotes the, the work of God, of the almighty God through the Word, through the Logos, through the Lord Jesus Christ here. You look, and a very similar thing is, is spoken of God in Hebrews. It's, it's not a belittling. It's showing this relationship between the Father and the Son. In Hebrews chapter 2, Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 10, he says, for it... Well, let's, let's begin in verse 9 to get the context. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. 
For it became him for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons into glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. Now there's a switch there in verse 9 to verse 10. We're speaking about Christ. But verse 10 is speaking about what God is doing through Christ and making him the captain of our salvation and making him perfect through the sufferings. You see, it wasn't because that, that Jesus sinned, but he suffered and he was tempted and he went through it all so that he could be your high priest today so he could taste everything that you might have to face. Every infinite detail of creation came into being from nothingness through the Word, through the Logos. And according to what the Bible says in pure, simple words here, without that Word, without that Logos, not even one thing that has come into being would be able to exist. Nothing. Not the smallest infinite detail. It's all here because of him in the beginning. In the beginning was the word. In the beginning, when everything else takes off from there, at that point was the word, the Logos. He was with God. He was in a living union with God. But more than that, he was God. He was everything that God was. In the beginning, at that point, the Bible says that all things, every tiny, infinite detail, all things were made by him, were brought into existence by him. And without him, without that Logos, at that point, was not anything made that was made. You see, whatever else, whether you put up Christmas decorations or don't, whether you have a Christmas tree or you don't, whether you give gifts or you don't, whatever else that you might or might not do. May I subscribe to you today that the Christ of Christmas, past, present, and future, that's the event. The date has no importance. The date really has no meaning whatsoever, and you can read all kinds of things of how we got there, and we know, wow, what would the odds be that it really was today? <laughs> so far that you don't even have to think about it. But it's the event. It's the Christ of Christmas that's important. The Christ of Christmas was that in the beginning, at the point when anything and everything else that exists came into being, he was, he was there, he always had been, he and the Father and the Spirit all in unity, and everything else that came into being was by him. And everything exists by him. I'm going to give you this in closing. We're going to come back, God willing, 
The Christ of Christmas, past, present, and future, is the Christ of co-eternity, is the Christ of creation. We're going to look this evening. We're going to look at a couple of other things that he gives us in this passage. But I want you to look at something down in verse 14. And the word, the logos, that that was there, that had always been there, that brought everything into being that is and keeps everything that is, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. We'll be looking at that this morning because he is the Christ. He is the Christ of conversion. He is the Christ of your salvation. He is the Christ of redemption. The truth is today, as you're here, what have you thought about the Christ of Christmas? What have you thought about him? Does he have the rightful place in your heart? You see, folks, I say it lovingly, but I say it plainly. You either believe or you don't believe. This is God's word. You either believe it or you don't. You either act upon it or you don't. Jesus Christ, the Christ of Christmas, he was right there when everything else came into existence. And we'll see this evening, the boy, when he came in the incarnation, he came specifically for you. He came that you might be forgiven of your sins. He came knowing that he was coming to be humiliated, to be nailed to that cross. He came knowing that he would take and bear the sins, your sins, every one you've ever committed, every one you will. He came to take those sins for you, to bear your sins. And today, you're either going to believe him or you're not. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Do you believe? Is the Jesus that you know about not just some great man of bygone years, a great educator, giving us great morals, a great teacher, certainly a great influence, but have you seen him as the Logos, as all that God is? Have you seen Jesus Christ for who he is? Have you accepted what he did for you? That God became flesh and dwelt amongst us. And after 33 and a half years, he died the death that you and I deserved. You know what? When they went and found that empty tomb three days later, praise God, it proved everything that was required of God, it had been met in him. Today, today, will you accept the Christ of Christmas, the one that has existed for all of eternity along with the Father and the Son, our God, the Christ of creation, the one that made you, 
the one that will bear you, the one that did bear your sins. Father, we thank you today. Lord, as we're reminded of these passages, we know that these things today are all familiar things to us. Lord, I want to thank you again, though, Lord, because they don't get old. And Lord, you know the hearts of each one here today. Maybe, Lord, as you knew who would be here, maybe there's a Christian that just needed to be encouraged or reminded what Christmas really should be about. And just to remember and think upon the true Christ of Christmas. Lord, I would also believe that there are those here this morning that regardless of their religious past and all else, they've never seen the Christ of Christmas for who he really is. He's the God of creation that gave them their very existence as the one that came in the flesh to die for their sins. Lord, I pray that you would help them today. Lord, not to put off a choice, a decision, to put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. I pray that by the power of your Spirit, they would not only be convicted of their sin, Lord, that they would have that faith Believe and trust in him alone. Help us all, Lord, this Christmas that we might remember the Christ of Christmas. In Christ's name, amen. Mm-hmm.